Hey, everybody. It's uh, Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean uh, here with your wonderful college football takes for the week. Uh, you know, we broke down the week one games last week, and uh, we're going to go ahead and look at week two uh, for this weekend coming up. And uh, I'm waiting for my co-host, Ian. He's running a little behind, but he should be here shortly. But uh, uh just to go down some uh, some things real quick before he uh, he jumps on with us, uh, you know uh, the game with uh, FSU, uh, FSU LSU FSU wins forty five twenty four. It was you know the game in the first half was predominantly uh, LSU's game to blow them out. It, you know they had plenty of opportunities in that first half to score. Uh, you know, the first drive they got into the, you know, inside the five, six plays inside the five, couldn't punch it in. Um, you know, that's it's going to hurt. It's going to, you know, cause some, uh, uh, you know, momentum to go the other way for FSU. Uh, but still, FSU didn't really take advantage of all that. They, you know, they kept pace as far as the score. So it was 17, 14 and a half. LSU had upper, other opportunities in that half. Uh, Jordan Travis threw an interception. He almost threw another one uh, inside their, like, 15, which potentially could have been more points for LSU. So there was a lot of scenarios where LSU could have been up, I don't know, 31, 34 uh, to, like, 14 at half, and that would have been a largely different game if that is the case. I know you can do the what-if games on every game, but it just, you know, it it shows – especially in the first game of the year, you know, you had Florida struggle and we'll talk about Duke and Clemson in a little bit, but Clemson struggled as well to punch in. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's definitely um, something where if you're not be able to punch in in the beginning of the year, you're going to lose those games. And, you know, the majority of teams play softball games, you know, the, you know, terrible teams that they play so that they can get into the swing of things, except for, you know, five or six games. And, you know, it just happens to be that LSU plays a tough game the first game of the year and they get beat. It's not over for them. They have a lot to play for. Uh, you know, the SEC is still up for grabs and potentially a playoff spot. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, but uh, FSU looks good in the second half and dominates and then, uh, you know, takes advantage of it. I will say, though, going into the fourth quarter, it still was only a one score game. And uh, LSU right before the fourth quarter, the last play of the third quarter, if they hit that play, that uh, pass from Daniels to his receiver, um, even if he just catches it right there and gets tackled, uh, you know, if it was a better throw, it should have been a touchdown because he like completely beat that uh, corner. Um, that uh, if that's a touchdown right there, it's a tie game. And then anything is up for grabs there. Literally the next play into the fourth quarter is uh, a, or the receiver for LSU falls down and Daniels, thinks he's uh, he's on a comeback route and he throws it right to where he's supposed to be and you know the DB just jumps it cuz he know he sees the the receiver fall over so he's easily got it so that was the difference right there like in that fourth quarter right there if they if they can score on that drive it's a tie game who knows what happens but uh Florida State just put it on him at that that point and like LSU's the defense they they just fell apart near the end there and it was you know it just it, I think they scored like 
three touchdowns in that fourth quarter, so the game was over. But anyways, uh, Ian's here, so let me add him in to the stream. Ian, what up, dude? Hey, hey there, guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, I was just breaking down uh, um, LSU, Florida State, and then you have anything on that before we move on real quick? Uh, that was – LSU just strictly defensively has to adjust. They got burned out way too early in that game. And you could tell they exploited um, that defense quick. They could not keep up with all those slanting passes. They were, Florida State's uh, receivers were way too fast, and they bit way too much on those misdirection plays, especially I remember there was a fourth down um, where it was a simple boot play, and the linebacker was about – four yards away from the receiver. Um, there is a lot defensively they need to adjust and play calling wise as well. There needs to um, improve on just too vanilla, too basic. Um, they didn't really utilize Jane Daniels as well as I think they could have. Well, I mean, I will say they still were able to move the ball. They had over, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm pretty sure Jaden Daniels had over 300 yards passing. And, you know, it it definitely was a struggle because, like, second half, they only scored seven points. So it definitely, and especially that last touchdown was, like, at the very, very end. And, but um, there were times. It was just they, the offense didn't make any adjustments to the defense. It, yeah. They tried calling the same plays as they did the first two quarters. And clearly, Florida State knew what what to expect, and there was just no counter to it. Yeah. Uh, I just, you know, I will say, like, and I brought it up just a second ago, that the turning point there was that uh, uh, the end of the third quarter and then beginning of the fourth quarter because uh, Daniels was – he had that long pass – and the receiver dropped it. And if the receiver either catches it or, you know, the bet, the throw is better and he runs it in, you know, it's a tie game. Literally the next play into the fourth quarter was he uh, – um, he, uh, the receiver falls down and he throws it right to the, the Florida State DB. So it's like the juxtaposition between the end of the quarter and the start of the quarter where it was basically the end of the, the game essentially, you know, it really was the, like, turning point for the whole game. But, okay, let's move on. Uh, Clemson Duke, um, another game oh, of another game of not taking advantage of uh, you know getting into the red zone. You know, it was I don't know how many trips they had inside the red zone, but they fumbled. at least three. Yeah, and it's just like you can't miss field goals, block field goals. You you can't. You know, like this is not Duke from like five years ago where they were like a four and eight team. They're definitely a nine, maybe even possibly 10 win team. So and they have, you know, their quarterback is, you know, considered a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely capable. And there's some other players on their team that are very capable. The coach seems to be know what he's doing. So it's like, you know, it it was not going to be an easy win for Clemson. I know they all thought that this was going to be a very good year for them i i still think it can be you know like the season's still of like you know it's not over because like technically if they uh 
if they win out, they would still play Duke in the ACC championship game. So they just have to, they just, this is their mulligan essentially. Like they, they took their one and, you know, it sucks that it's the first game, but now they have to, they have to play perfect the rest of the year out. So, um, but uh, uh, your thoughts on it before we break down uh, these coming games. Yeah. Now I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with it. The, you can't just predict all the turnovers, the badly timed fumbles and all that. The fumbling, because I, I believe it was two times they, they failed on the fumble. Yeah. there's that, that is just more unfortunate than anything. Right. But with that being said, it was just laughable how they just couldn't get anything going how they relied way too much on very same thing with LSU. The play calling just was so bare bones, basic four five yard high percentage plays. There was no real like breakout play to change the momentum. The defense did very little to stop. I mean, that run from, uh, Riley Leonard. I mean, you can't, you gotta bring him down for that. That was an impressive play by Riley Leonard, but, the defense should have had him. Um, it, it it was just interesting too because I do feel like Clemson outplayed Duke that game. I, I know yeah. they outgained them, and I think they had way more time of possession and even first downs. But man, when you can't capitalize in the red zone, that's going to be interesting to see. Play calling wise, what are you going to do for Clemson? What are you going to do in the red zone? Because yeah. you can't go down there three times and come up with donuts. You have to capitalize because at least if, you know, those three times, the game's tied 28, 28. Yeah. So it's, you know, very interesting. It's very tough. I don't say they're out of it, but my God, you could not start any worse than that. They have to be, as you stated, they have to be perfect to make the ACC championship. And now it's going to be now you got to argue for them and to even make the playoff. But baby steps, they well have I mean, an embarrassing loss. You got to win the conference. They, now. they have they have a schedule that gives them the like the the runway to get there. You know they play uh, Florida State at home, which you know they've I think they've won they've beaten them seven years in a row, and then uh, I'm almost positive they play Notre Dame, and then. Um, uh, they play uh, possibly another good team in the ACC championship, be it Florida State or Duke. And then I think they play. I know Miami. they play North Carolina, too. Yeah, exactly. So they have like like four or five marquee matchups. So it's like they're going to have the opportunity. Oh, I think they just hit a home run. The Rays. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Wait, no. Did that go off the wall? What What just happened there? Was that not a home run? I don't know. It's so confusing the Rays Stadium. I wish it was just very simple. Like it it hits that area, it's a home run, but sometimes it's like hits off certain walls and like, oh, it's not a home run. And I'm like, what? Tell me about it. I mean, those catwalks, man. And I've yeah. been going to that same since they were called the double rays. Oh yeah. I, dude, I I was there like the first year. Um anyways, so no, it's um it's definitely uh, very doable for them to get back into uh, contention. It's, you know, it's the first game of the year, much like Florida and Utah. And I'm not saying Florida is going to get back into it because they're probably not. But like last year with Utah, 
you know, Utah lost that first game and they still got back into the Pac-12 race and they won it. So, like, clearly um, it's not the end of the world to lose the first game. Um, and, you know, last year LSU lost that first game and they got into the SEC uh, championship game. So there is an opportunity to correct this, the the path if if the first game doesn't go your way. It sucks. Obviously, it's terrible. You don't want to start off the season that way. But I, I am such a huge fan of these games where they're playing non-conference games against much better opponents because it's much more interesting. I mean, the Clemson game was obviously conference opponents, but, you know, I hope that going forward with an expanded playoff that it gives the incentive for other teams to schedule these games because it's like, it's not the end of the world to lose a game or two. And that's where it's key. It's like, you know, if they're, if teams are able to lose two games to get in the playoff, it's not that big a deal. So it's like, hey, we can still get in and we can still possibly win. All right, let's move on. Um, let's talk about the uh, the Heisman list. I want to hear your list and then I'll give I'll give mine. Go ahead with your uh, five through one or whatever you have. I want to hear what you got. So what I have for my Heisman list is Caleb Williams, obviously, um, yeah. Michael Penix Jr. Um, had an outstanding game. Um, and I will also add Blake Corum from Michigan. I believe yeah. he is in serious contention for a Heisman if he can keep um, at an elite level. And I, I don't know what I have with tight ends, but, you know, Brock Bowers, I still think he's one of the most dynamic players in the country from Georgia. So I think I would have to add him on the list, especially if he starts racking up the touchdowns that I know he can. Well, I mean, I <laughs> – Throughout the two years that he's been in college, um, the bigger numbers he's put up have been against uh, inferior opponents. So I know that he does have a lot of collective of good numbers, but the 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 like if you look at the like summation of the parts, the parts don't look as uh, intriguing as the rest of it. So I don't know he. He's very good. I'm not denying that. But I still don't think he's better than Kyle Pitts, which for whatever reason, uh, Georgia fans love to compare him to Pitts, even though Pitts uh, is in the NFL and Pitts um, like nearly broke the record for tight end uh, receiving yards. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know what they like are trying to do. It's like, look, they're they're kind of completely different games. Like Brock Bowers can block more than Kyle Pitts, and Kyle Pitts is more of like essentially a receiver, but he's still like built like a tight end kind of. But I don't know. It's I don't want to talk about the comparison. I want to talk about Brock Bowers in college. So like Brock Bowers, you know, that game was against another one of those middling teams that it's like they're not really that strong oh we lost ian see if we can get him back but it's you know brock bowers i'm just not a big fan of and uh like the hype like i understand he's very good i'm not denying that but i just like this over the top like he's the best ever that stuff just is like that stuff bothers me i don't I, like i'm not kyle pitts played against uh a 10 game schedule against all SEC opponents and didn't even play all the games. No, I'm just talking about Kyle Pitts real quick and then we'll move on. But Kyle yeah, Pitts sorry about that whole thing. 
No, but like Kyle Pitts went against um, an all SEC schedule for the 10 games, didn't play all the games and still had almost better numbers each year than than uh, Bowers had these two years. So I hey, I mean, I, I get it. You know, Bowers is good, but I still think Kyle Pitts is a different level than 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 Bowers. OK, moving on. Oh, my picks real quick. I, I have. Uh, Caleb Williams at one, Sam Hartman at two, uh, Michael Penix, um, Drake May. And then I do have Travis Jordan just for right now, but I'm sure it'll go away once like he doesn't put up crazy numbers in these coming games. I'm not envisioning that. I still didn't like LSU's defense in that second half, and it was largely to do with why um, Florida State did what they did. It was they were playing way off and they were – their DBs were very, I don't know, it was it was ugly. It was not good defense in any way. You know, they talked about Harold Perkins all year and like he was going to do so well. And I, you know, it seemed like he was just a spy the whole time. And it's yeah. like, you know, I don't know. I thought he was going to be someone they were going to utilize uh, on the rush, but that never happened. So whatever. I, you know, I it could have been a lot worse game for uh jordan travis but he uh got lucky on that one pass where he like passed it right to two players yeah at least two picks and then it was just like like i said the defense kind of just like lost all momentum in that like fourth quarter and they just like pretty much gave up and that was that was it uh okay uh what are your playoff teams ian and then we'll move on so right now, my top six are Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Ohio State at three, Florida State at four, and I have Bama at five and USC at six. Okay. I got Georgia at one, Michigan at two, USC at three, uh, Notre Dame at four, Bama at five, and Florida State at six. Okay. So let's move on to week two games. Um, the first game I have on there is Kansas, Illinois. It's an intriguing game because Kansas had, you know, that really good start last year and kind of fell off just because of a lot of injuries because they didn't have a lot of depth. But uh, Illinois had a strong year. Um, Brent Bielema, you know, it, as much as he struggled at Arkansas, really knows how to coach these Big Ten teams for whatever reason. He just, like, can get the most out of them. They had a really good defense last year at Illinois, and, uh, you know, and their secondary was um, definitely one of the best in the country, probably uh, maybe top five, I think, what it was. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts on this, Ian? What do you, who do you got in this one? Yeah, it's – going to be a lot of um, inexperience here because Kansas hasn't seen, you know, this type of defense before, at least not these players. Um, they got off to that r- really hot starter. They did play a lot of, you know, teams with weak defense. Illinois is built on a pretty substantial um, defense. And I think with that, I'm going to go with Illinois winning this one. I'll go maybe like 27-20. Um, I just think they know how to win those games. Defense is going to be tough, and the youth of Kansas will just struggle uh, to pull one out. I like Illinois more in this one. I think Kansas is going to probably be able to move the ball, but um, I think Illinois wins in a close one. I'm going to say like 23 uh, to like, I don't know, uh, 14, something like that. Okay, Wake Forest, Vanderbilt. I'm intrigued about this game because – Wake Forest, 
um, is one of the teams I have tabbed to potentially beat Florida State this year. And I largely think that because of um, the potential of their quarterback. Uh, he played in a couple of games last year. He he did okay in this first game this year. But um, if he can get m- moving in the right direction, potentially uh, be the heir apparent to Sam Hartman, um, they have a chance to contend against Florida State. Uh, the game is in Wake Forest when they play it, but Vanderbilt two and zero. They struggled a little bit against Hawaii this year. Uh, will they easily win this one? I don't think so. I think Wake Forest is gonna. I think Wake Forest is gonna take this one. I'm gonna say Wake wins like. I'm gonna say like thirty one to seventeen. That's what I got. What do you got? I'm, I, I agree, and I think it's mostly because the defense of Vanny hasn't been overly impressive. Yeah. Um, they didn't really – the Hawaii game would probably be the best example. Hawaii and Wake do have very similar play-calling styles, um, and I just think they – although Vanny won that game, I think that was more Hawaii just wasn't as well-equipped to win those games. Wake yeah. Forest on the other hand, you know, McGriff's uh, – uh, the quarterback for Wake, uh, definitely more skilled passer. Um, I'm going to take uh, Wake in this one, especially with, you know, kind of a pass-heavy um, oriented offense, and that's something Vandy has struggled with. So I'm going to go – Wake puts a couple up. I'm pretty similar. I'm going to go 38 to – I'll go 20. Yeah. Okay. Um, Colorado, Nebraska. Now, so this is the season home opener for uh, Colorado. It's, you know, Dion's first game at home as the head coach. I find this interesting because it's Matt Rule has obviously done very well in college at Baylor um, before he had that stint in the NFL. It didn't really go anywhere. But, um, you know, Nebraska needs a win. And I think Matt Rule being very close last week against Minnesota and uh, losing there at the end was really rough. And it's almost very uh, similar to how the team played in the last couple of years under Scott Frost. So they really need to change the script, flip the script here. They need to get a victory under the belt in some way. It's a very tough opponent for Nebraska to come up against. I like the fact that, you know, this is, you know, that old school rivalry, the big eight of many years ago, you know, like, God, the big eight hasn't existed since whenever, but, you know, even it was in the big 12 before Colorado went to the PAC 12, but, um, or in Nebraska left too. So it's been a long time since they've really done this rivalry. Um, I, I can't remember if they've played this game recently, but regardless, it's, it was always a big game. I I remember seeing when I was much younger, you know, like in the early nineties, I remember it being a big thing, um, especially when Colorado was good. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think Matt rule has enough, in it for the the team to be able to get them over the top in this game. But I watching that performance of Colorado last week, I mean, there's almost no denying it. Like they're, 
their offense is very good and they're going to move the ball. It really is the thing is like, is, is can Nebraska score that many points? Nebraska only put up like 10 last week. Yep. So it's like, are they, are they going to be able to put up 40? I really don't think so. Unless Matt rule has um, an ace in the hole with their defense in some way. And they found some way uh, to stop Shador Sanders, but I don't think they do. So I think Nebraska wins this one. All right. Sorry. Colorado wins this one. I'm going to say like 35 to like, um, uh, I don't know, like uh, 20. What do you got? I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think the one thing we're kind of overlooking to from Colorado's win, the defense did not play really elite. Um, yeah. Way, yeah. you know, Hole was open too many times in the run game, too many big games, too many positive yards. Um, and other than really Travis Hunter, the coverage was not as good as it can be. Um, and Carl had a lot of hero ball. That being said, I just don't see same as you. I don't see Nebraska scoring that many points. Now, Nebraska does have a very stout defense, but I feel like with the speed that Colorado has, they can wear it down and eventually get into the end zone more. And I just don't see Nebraska as I don't, as bad as I think Colorado's defense is, I don't see that offense as well. It's like the reverse of unstoppable force and immovable objects, bad offense versus bad defense. But I just don't see Nebraska putting up as many points uh, against uh, Colorado. So I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to go, Bit more conservative. I'll go twenty-eight to seventeen uh, for Colorado. Okay, uh, Baylor, Utah. Interesting game since Baylor's coming off a loss, and Utah pretty bad one. Yeah, yeah, and and Utah beat uh, Florida in that opening game. Yeah, Baylor lost to Texas State. So, um, does Baylor get off the snide? I want to hear your opinion first, and then I'll give mine. I think I actually think this game is going to be a lot closer um, than some might think. I get you know Baylor, pretty bad start when you get upset by you know Texas State, um, which I had to explain to people was a real school when I went into work the next day. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't it sound like one of those fake schools like from like Waterboy or something? Yeah, but, um, it sounds like something out of a movie, like you know. I don't know, Northwest uh, Dakota State or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Blue Mountain State. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I do think Baylor's going to come out, come out firing. I think, you know, they'll adjust. Um, I believe, though, just Utah, if Cam Rising is healthy and everybody is healthy, that's a tough team to stop just whoever you are so i think i'm gonna go with utah on this one i think baylor keeps it close based on you know how elite their offense can be but i I just utah is the better overall team so i'm gonna go utah 31 to 27 yeah i'm curious to see if cam rising plays um I don't know. It doesn't it, the 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 reports don't look great for them, but I don't know. I still think Utah is good enough to beat them. Um, you said thirty-eight to what? Uh, thirty-one to twenty-seven. Thirty-one to twenty-seven. Um, I I still feel like Utah is good enough 
to beat teams without those guys, you know, without Keithy and without, without rising. I think, um, uh, as of right now, it looks like they're not going to play. So if that's the case, then I think that, uh, I mean, Barnes can move the ball if they need to pass it They're you know, the, Johnson came in and was the change of pace guy. And so they've got enough options there and their defense is good enough. I mean, like, I don't know how good Baylor's offense is this year. Um, you know, that'll be the key there. If like, if, if Baylor can move the ball well enough, it might be a struggle. I mean, you Florida struggled to move the ball, you know, and struggled, you know, on third downs. I think they had one third down conversion the entire game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I heard the like the rundown of like all the third down uh, uh, plays that there were. And it was like every one of them was like third and six and higher. And it was like ridiculous how third and low. It was not manageable. One. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they were and they weren't even getting penalties on first and second down. They were just like setting themselves in bad position every single third down. And it's like man, you're not going to win games. And like, you know, if, if Utah can get in that position again against Baylor, then they should be fine. And I think their schedule gets a little easier after that for a little bit. I think they have like a couple of like cakewalk games. So that would potentially, you know, honestly, again, losing to Baylor is not the end of the world either because that's not a Pac-12 game. And plus it gives them um, a one loss wouldn't be the end of the world. They could still get the rest of their goals, potentially get in the playoff too. So, and it's, you know, Baylor, it's a big, uh, it's a power five team. So it's not like a terrible loss if they did lose to them, but I still think they can beat them with who, who they have. Okay. Moving on. Um, Oh, so I'm going to give mine. uh, I say, I'm going to say Utah wins probably like, I'm going to say close score 26 to like uh 17 okay nc state notre dame i'm gonna go first i still really like this team i mean i'm telling you guys all year i've been saying it since the jump this year notre dame is my cfp uh surprise pick and you know i'm big on sam hartman obviously have him in my heisman list um, and, you know, obviously now Notre Dame further into the playoff pick. So Notre Dame presents a very interesting proposition for the rest of the media this year. I have not, you know, I've been surprised because usually most years you are hear nothing but Notre Dame when they like do well. And yet I think the first two games were against weaker opponents. So you haven't heard as much. This is a better opponent than the first two weeks. So we might just start seeing more hype, especially because Notre Dame plays USC uh, October 14th in the middle of the season, which is going to be a huge fucking game, which I potentially might go to. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out uh, my flight situation. I don't know if I can pull it off or not. But um, either way, it's going to be a huge game and I'm excited about because You'll have Caleb Williams. You'll have Sam Hartman going up against each other, you know, two Heisman favorites and then two potential playoff teams. So could be crazy. Um, So I expect Notre Dame to win this game. NC State with Brendan Armstrong kind of struggled last week. Didn't look didn't look amazing. So 
I expect Notre Dame to win this probably like 42, maybe even like 42 to like, I'd say 13. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprisingly in the same boat as well with this one for Notre Dame. NC State just didn't sell me. Uh, their opening game against UConn, it wasn't a very impressive win. Um, and the offense did stumble a lot. Um, and UConn kind of kept them in there, kept them honest throughout the game. I just think Notre Dame, they'll win and they'll kind of run away with it early. I, I Maybe not as many scores, but I think they'll have control of the game. I'll, I'll go 30-7 to seven, uh, Irish. Okay, uh, Iowa State-Iowa, interesting game. Iowa struggled last week. I think they only had like 24 points. So um, I haven't heard too much about Iowa State. So I don't know. I didn't look into how well they're doing. I probably should have because I'm always intrigued about this team. But um, I want to hear your opinion, then I'll, I'll base my opinion off that. Go ahead. Yeah, Iowa State uh... – I know they, they played you and I, which um, and I, I believe they won like thirty to something. Um, they were more uh, run heavy, I believe, in that game. Um, I believe it was Becht was the leading passer for that game. Um, he did have two touchdowns, but only a hundred yards. It was more like efficient play action, short passing, and it was more out of necessity. Um, Iowa is, you know, offensively is. Actually, starting to look somewhat more functional, I guess would be the best way to put it. Uh, but again, they didn't have that good of a win either. Twenty-four to fourteen, I think it was against Utah State. Um, so overall, both these teams have a lot to you know prove. I think with this one, um, I'm going to go with Iowa winning this one. I just think the defense is going to be strong enough against uh, same thing. There's a lot of new guys on Iowa side, Iowa State side that I think a very well developed uh, defense is able to put a hold on, um, especially of an offense that hasn't been too impressive. I think this is going to be a low scoring one, but I'm going to go 20 to 14 Hawkeyes. Yeah, I'm thinking low scoring as well. And you know, I I don't know. I haven't been the biggest fan of Iowa the last couple of years just because their offense has been putrid, to say the least. And uh, yep. Iowa State has been kind of disappointing. Ever since, like, Brock Purdy left, they've really been kind of – I don't know. I expected more from them the last two years, and it's been kind of a big letdown. Um, maybe they come back in this game and maybe they surprise everyone and maybe they pull it off. So I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna go with that. I mean I'm gonna say like I'm gonna say twenty-four to like thirteen uh Iowa State. All right, interesting game. Last year was a really close game. It was kind of a boring game because it was um low scoring. Um, but Miami still had a chance at the end of this game last year. But Miami, Texas A&M, it's in the return the return trip to uh, Miami uh, that Texas A&M uh, owes uh, the Hurricanes. So they come in. Miami um, beat their lowly opponent, and uh, Texas A&M took care of their FCS opponent, whatever. It, like, Not New Mexico's D1. 
Yeah, I'm no, but it's like barely, low, barely. Low we're gonna put yeah, barely. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like the opponents they both had were like they're just they're layups. Yeah, practice yeah. dummies, you know. So it doesn't prove anything. We don't actually know if Texas AM's offense uh improved, if Bobby Petrino is making a difference or not. The score was high, you know, they scored like 50 plus points. So that's good, but that's against a smaller opponent that is not uh you know, nowhere near the the level of opponent that they're playing each other this weekend. Plus the same thing with Miami. Miami's offense struggled last year mightily and was a, a large part uh, of the reason that they went five and seven and didn't go to a bowl. So I think, I think Texas A&M is going to win this game and largely to do with the talent that they have. And I know Miami definitely recruited well the last year, especially last year they were in the top five recruiting class in 2023. So they have some guys, but I think those guys are a little too young. Texas A&M's recruiting class from, uh, what was it, 22? Those guys are now essentially sophomores and redshirt freshmen. They've gotten way more experience, and I think they're ready to go. And, you know, their receiving core is pretty solid. Um, Weigman is a solid quarterback. Not that Tyler Van Dyke isn't. Tyler Van Dyke is fine. I think he just struggled last year, whatever reason. I don't know. I, I never believed in the offensive coordinator for Miami last year. And, you know, he's gone now, which, you know, good for them. I think it was Gaddis was his name. But if Tyler Van Dyke can play well, they have a chance. But I just I still think a and going to take it. And I'm going to go with A&M winning, I'm going to say, like, uh, 23 to, like, 20. And it'd probably be close. I'm guessing close. Yeah. I agree. I think it's going to be close. I think, especially because Miami had a more well-balanced attack, they did very good at kind of balancing between the run and the pass. Um, but I just think the same thing. AM has more talent, um, more developed talent is a better way to put it. Uh, and Miami yeah. is definitely getting better, but I don't think they're at the level to win these type of games. But I think it's going to be close. So I'm going to go A&M pulls out of this one. I'm going to go with a 28-24 to 24 win for the Aggies. Okay, the next game is an interesting game. I really like this matchup. It is Tulane and Ole Miss. Um, you know, you don't see – you know, I'm surprised Tulane doesn't play a lot more SEC teams considering that they used to be in the SEC. Oh, yeah, they used to. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, like in the 30s. But I'm saying like last – like. 20 years like you never see them they hardly ever play like they should play LSU every year you know that should just be a yeah. standard that they play LSU every year they don't and they should play like Ole Miss they should play Mississippi State they should play Missouri they should play Tennessee they should play uh Alabama especially I don't know I you, I I'm intrigued why they don't but whatever we're here so let's break this down um you know Tulane has got a a, a lot of guys coming back from last year. Um, they were had a really good run. They beat uh, USC in the uh, Cotton Bowl. Ole Miss is a very good offense with Lane Kiffin calling plays So and Jackson Dart running the show. So I'm going to say Ole Miss probably wins this, but it's going to be close. I'm going to say like a probably 34 to like 28 game. I think – 
Tulane is definitely one of the best group of five teams. But when you just look at how efficient that offense is, it's a, literally an engine for Ole Miss. I don't see them dropping a game like this. Um, I think they pull away. I think it's maybe gets close uh, early, but late in the game, Ole Miss just has the more you know efficient offense that they win this one. I'm going to go 42-24 for the Rebels. Damn, that's a stomping. Okay, uh, your Roadrunners, uh, UTSA, and speaking of Texas State, Texas State. What do you? I want to hear your opinion on these guys. Yeah, UTSA. They, um, I, I still think they're the best team in the American. They're they're still my pick to win the American. Um, yeah. What's interesting is that this last game they kind of. Um, they didn't lose to Houston, but again, they made that close. They made yeah. that uh, tougher uh, than it probably should have been, and the defense really showed up, um, which was surprising. UTSA isn't really, you know, past couple of years, especially last year, wasn't well known with that. Um, Texas State, on the other hand, big upset against Baylor. Um, Texas State has had very high-powered offense. I believe they average almost 400 yards a game. I think this is going to be a shootout, but yeah. I think – because I believe the defense is stronger for UTSA is going to be. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Come on. Come on. I'm going to go um, Roadrunners winning this one in a shootout. I'm going to go 45 to 41 Roadrunners. Yeah. I mean, so we don't know too much about this Texas State team because, you know, there's a lot of transfers coming in. And um, I don't teach like Finley. He, he was that that's the one that, I remember. That's about, that's about the only one we know about. The only player that we're really aware of. But everyone else on Texas State is kind of like a, a question mark. So I'm going to say that UTSA wins just because they've been, you know, a solid team for the last several years you know they texas state did get that win against baylor so they have a lot of momentum coming into this game but i think utsa offensively is probably better than baylor was and that's probably why baylor lost that game and i mean you know it's clearly because utsa that's like their 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 whole you know, identity is being able to move the ball and move the ball quickly and get down the field and score. So um, I'm going to say UTSA wins this one. I'm going to say like 38 to like, say like uh, 28. And you had UTSA winning, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Just double checking. Okay. Next one is, um, Washington Tulsa interesting game because uh, Tulsa is one of those teams in the AAC that for whatever reason will struggle with a lot of bad teams but then when they play like better teams like they've played UCF the last 10 years and beaten them quite a few times when I think they beat Houston last year yeah exactly they've, they've beaten quality teams over the last 10 years you know they'll they'll definitely like you know, rise up to the uh, competition, but then they play down a terrible competition. This is a much better team uh, that they'll play this weekend in Washington and Michael Penix Jr. So 
I still think Penix Jr. gets the job done. They destroyed Boise State last week. Um, I envision uh, um, I envision Washington winning at least like I'm going to say probably uh, 37 to like 20. Yeah, I think Tulsa's whole identity, especially offensively, has been about balance. Again, very good with, you know, the run and the pass. But this one, I think Washington's going to have to find themselves. They did blow out Boise State, but the defense definitely let a lot of yards, probably too many yards that they were happy with. But I'm going to go Washington wins this one, and they'll. I think they'll want away. I think the defense adjusts. Um, and Tulane will just get that monkey wrench thrown into that bounce attack. I'm going to go Huskies. I'll go 42 to 20. Okay, uh, moving on to North Carolina App State. This was a great game last year. It was back and forth and a crazy finish. Um, App State had an opportunity at the end of the win that game last year. I like Drake May a lot. I think he's definitely up there with Caleb Williams for top quarterback going top five in the draft coming up this year. So um, I envision – him having a really good game, I'm going to say like he probably puts up at least 300 yards and probably three TDs. And I'm going to say North Carolina wins this one a little more handedly than uh, last year. And obviously last year was very close, but uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say North Carolina wins like, I'm going to say like uh, 42 to like 28. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, that game last year was fantastic, yeah. um, and App State almost pulled away with it. Yeah. But a, a trend that has definitely been a thing is App State, just in general, really struggles on the they're on the road. Their last road win was the one against Texas A and M. So, oh, wow. yeah. So I think when you go into that environment, and the crowd is obviously excited after that win against South Carolina. I just don't think that's really a winning formula for App State. I do think App State, they have proven again and again that they will bite teams in the ass. Um, And I do think they'll come out and they will always play a quality game. But I just think North Carolina, they don't fall into that trap. They should learn their lesson from last year, um, getting by by the skin of their teeth uh, last year. So I think North Carolina puts this one away. I'm going to go Tar Heels 31-18. to yeah, I mean that sounds about right. It just I just think this um this Tar Heel team is really good and I think they're going to have a really good year. Okay, moving on. Oklahoma SMU uh old Big 8 matchup or whatever the conference was back in the day um to now Was Oklahoma in the Southwest? I don't even remember because it's all I remember it was the Texas schools in Oregon. I don't think they were in the Southwest conference. Well, Big Eight, Big Eight was like Oklahoma, Nebraska, Nebraska Oklahoma State, Missouri, Kansas, and Oklahoma State, I believe. Yeah, because I remember like, the Southwest was just like Texas and Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's you know I'd have to look that up. But, but anyways, so Oklahoma SMU, you know, it's funny how. Oklahoma is very 
is on a very similar path as Florida, where Oklahoma went six and seven, lost their bowl game, and um, uh, had a new coach last year. And so it's, um, you know, Florida goes on the road and loses their game. So they're unranked before the season and then continue to be unranked. Well, Oklahoma. I can't remember if they started ranked or not, but they win their easy game, which is a layup, and they score 70 points or whatever. And they beat them like they stole them. Yeah, and so they get ranked, and it's like, oh, well, who – like, it's funny how, like, it's very similar paths, but yet completely different narratives because of the fact that they open their season against a tomato can. And this is not a tomato can. Like, SMU is definitely a team – that will score points, especially with um, uh, their head coach, who is an offensive guru. So let's see what happens. I'm intrigued because, you know, if Oklahoma really is gotten to that point where they're like gotten turned the corner, you know, maybe to an eight and four, maybe a nine and three team this year, um, they would win this game. But I think SMU wins this game because I like SMU. And I think SMU is going to win like, I'm going to say 34 to like 30. It's going to be close, but I think SMU pulls it off. What do you got? I think SMU will definitely has, will be a tough game. This is not a layup game by any means, and Oklahoma should not walk into it that way. But if they talk – showed me anything from last week is that Oklahoma is a much more disciplined focused team going into this year. They, they knew last year was unacceptable. So I think SMU, it's going to be a bit of a back and forth game. Um, but especially based on how uh, the secondary played for Oklahoma, I'm going to take Oklahoma winning this one uh, again, typical Western shootout. I'm going to go 38 to 30 for the Sooners. Yeah, so it looks like we both have a close game. So, and I think it will be a close game regardless of who wins. Okay, Pitt Cincinnati. This was. I'm trying to think if they ever were in the Big East together. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cincinnati was yeah. So, man, this is a long time ago. Big East matchup, but uh, uh, now Cincinnati's in the Big Twelve and Pitt's in the ACC. So, Pitt, I actually. Did a little research on them earlier in the year. I don't like their quarterback situation. I'm not really too fond of where they're going there. The rest of their team is solid, but, you know, if you're going to struggle at quarterback, you're not going to have the greatest of years, which I don't think I don't think they're going to have Cincinnati. On the other hand, is our old friend Emory Jones and Xavier Henderson. And so we'll see if they uh, can actually live up to the billing because they got so much hype after that last that last game last week. Are they actually going to really uh, contend against these teams? And I don't know. I, you know, Emory, it sucked what happened at Florida. You know, a lot of people expected uh, a lot of great things out of him, and it just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, he struggled with certain things and never really, you know, it, it also didn't help that Dan Mullen couldn't figure out how to make him better, which that was a real pain in the ass. And it also, um, 
was real pain in the ass because, you know, Anthony Richardson was right behind Emery and he didn't bench uh, Emery till it was too late. And he benched him during the Georgia game, which like, what good did that do? You should have benched him way before that. But I don't know. Regardless, that's rehashing stuff that doesn't matter. Um, but I wish Emery the best. I don't know if he'll end up getting onto a NFL roster into next year, but you know, at least he has this year to play ball again and we'll see if it happens. He's, he's very athletic. He can move the ball. Um, his passing, uh, not like uh, passing game is not the best. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati, they've, They've had a good team the last couple of years. You know, they went to the playoff two years ago. Uh, Luke Fickle left and uh, the Louisville coach takes over. And I'm intrigued to see what happens with the Cincinnati team because of that. And then they're also entering into the Big 12. What happens going forward with them? I'm going to say, I don't know, struggle between these two teams. Uh, this is a tough decision. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins just because I don't like the quarterback play with Pitt. I'm going to say Cincinnati wins like a low-scoring one, like 24-20. That's what I got. What do you got? I'm going to go the. I'm going to go with Pitt because I believe Pitt has shown that in based on defense that they can stop this type of attack. They have faced these kind of fast, mobile both quarterbacks and playmakers on both the wide receiver and uh, signal calling. The defense has shown that they can do that, especially last year. I believe Pitt will find a way to win this one. I think they're going to keep it low scoring, and they're going to try to keep the ball away from Cincinnati. I think that's going to be the key. If they can play keep away from Cincinnati and get it out of the hands of playmakers, I think Pitt wins this one. So I'm going to go more low scoring. I'm going to go 27-17 for Pitt. I got uh, the next game, the big game of the day, Alabama, Texas. Uh, it was a really exciting game last year. Very close, low scoring, which was a surprise. We thought there was going to be more scoring. Uh, Quinn Ewers was hurt during that game. So uh, Texas's backup came in for him uh, during that uh, end of the first half and the rest of the second half. And, uh, there was a struggle. It was, you know, close near the end. They, you know, Alabama took the lead near the, with like a minute left and then Texas had a chance and then wasn't able to, uh, uh, finish it off. So does Texas redeem themselves in Tuscaloosa? You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Milrow. I don't think that he is the most talented um, as far as the passing game goes, he's still very talented as far as uh, his running ability and he can make plays. Um, I think his accuracy is the biggest issue, which if he can get that up, they have a better chance. I just like Quinn Ewers better as a seasoned quarterback that's been in there longer. You know, Milrow may eventually get there. And, you know, he's, he's still a young guy, so there's a chance. But I like Ewers in this game. And I like them to uh, finish off Alabama. I'm going to say Texas wins um, probably uh, 27 to like 23. It's going to be a close game, but I still think Alabama uh, just doesn't have enough uh, this time to withstand them. But what do you got? 
Uh, I'll just go back to what I've always said about these kind of games. It's when you have teams where I do believe talent wise, Texas is getting there. They not, they're already there. They, you know, I think they have every right and potential to win the big 12. But again, there's a difference between, you know, teams that know how to win Alabama, these kids and Nick Saban, they know how to win these games. They know how to keep that ball away out of their same thing as I mentioned with Pitt and Cincinnati. The, Alabama is the expert at that. They know the offense is the engine that gets Texas those wins. So yeah. they're going to play keep away and they're going to milk that clock as long as possible. So again, I just think it's a matter of keep away and coaching. And I think Nick Saban will have it dialed up. I think if they can make it where it's a low scoring keep away game, I think that's what really bit Bama in the ass last year is that they had to play the shootout games. That is not Alabama's game. They can win those games, but that's not the one, the way they want to play. But I think Alabama is going to get the game they want and force it that way, especially with as elite of a defense they have. So I'm going to go Bama winning this one. I'm going to go same thing. I'm going to go like 24 to 14. I just think they're trying to keep that ball away from Texas as much as possible. Okay, uh, another interesting uh, cross-conference, inter-conference game, uh, or intra-conference game, Texas Tech-Oregon. I like Bo Nix. I think that he's done quite well the last last year and then into this year. So um, I think that they can win this game. Texas Tech did not look that strong last Saturday. So I'm going to say Oregon probably wins this. I'm going to say probably 38 to like 27. What do you got? Yeah, I, I'm i going to go um, Oregon wins this one with uh, just by, you know, the, the offense alone because Texas – Tech's defense is not at that level to stop that kind of uh, speed. So I'm going to go Oregon winning. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think they'll win, have enough of a cushion. I'll go with 34 to 20 victory for the Ducks. Okay, next one I've got is uh, Boise State, UCF. Boise State got blown out by Washington, so um, can they – come back from that uh, devastating loss. Um, UCF destroyed their weak opponent that they played in week one. Um, I don't know how much we know about UCF from that first game. Like I said, when you play a terrible team, it doesn't really showcase your skill set. It's really kind of masking all that. Um Boise State did play a good opponent and got destroyed, so they have a lot to work on. Um, I'm thinking Boise State might uh, have taken that ass whooping and turned things around a little bit. It's it's in Boise, so it might play in their favor because UCF has to travel so far. Um, you know, Florida traveled really far and they struggled in their game. Um, I think Boise can win this one, but it's going to be close. I'm going to say like Boise wins, like I'm going to say like 31 to 28. That I have them winning by three points too, or, okay. but for UCF, okay. um, 
I'm I'm the same way. I think both these games are gonna this game is gonna be really close. Um Boise I think will have a bounce back, but man, that defense that uh, that's they got to prove me wrong. So I'm yeah. going to go UCF winning this one close. I go – my mine was 20, uh, 27 to 30 for the Knights. Okay. All right. So it's uh, wear green Wednesday, uh, and you're not wearing your green. You, you yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> if, it, if it's any consolation, I mean, I did go to class yesterday, so I had, you know <laughs> – I am supporting them by giving them my freaking money tuition. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so uh, USF, FAMU, um, I, you know, the way the offense played last week, it should dictate that USF should be able to move the ball against a lesser opponent. I will say that FAMU is probably one of the premier FCS teams right now the last several years. So they're definitely – um, not to be fucked with, not to be taken lightly. FAMU will definitely score points and play extremely well. The game is in Tampa at Raymond James. Um, I think Alex Golish is going to want to put a lot of points on them because, you know, they, they struggled to put up a ton of points against um, uh, Western Kentucky last week, even though they played well, you know, I think he wants to put up at least 40 points. So I'm going to say like USF wins, like I'm going to say 42 to like 28. Um, I hope the defense plays better and we'll see, maybe they do, but I'm just thinking because FAMU is a good team that they're still going to be able to, to move the ball. Well, regardless of the fact that USF's defense is better than it was last year. But what do you, what do you got? I'm right there with you. I think Ford and A&M is going to kind of put a scare in USF. Um, Cause again, they are on a, one of the premier uh, FCS teams, um, especially after winning. Um, I think they uh, beat Jack. Yeah. It was Jackson state last year or yeah. uh, last week. Um, I think uh, USF, finds a way to win and ends this losing streak. Um, but I don't think, you know, it's going to come easy. Um, it, again, the big thing is, is can that team going into the fourth quarter stay healthy and just, you know, be able to catch their breath and be ready for that hurry up count? Cause they were just gas going into the fourth quarter and you're not going to win games like that. So I think with attrition being the key, I think USF, finds a way to win a uh, bit closer, but same with you. I'm going to go with a 35 to 20 win for the Bulls. It's technically not closer, Ian. Your math is failing you. <laughs> well, they pull away late. <laughs> anyway, so moving on uh, to the Florida game, Florida McNeese. Um, this is going to be a blowout. McNeese is one of the worst teams in uh, FCS. They got blown out last week. So I'm, I'm going to say Florida recovers from that devastating loss last week against Utah. Um, they already have uh, Trey Wilson starting uh, as the one of the starting receivers. So there's a change there. So you'll see more of him, which, you know, he did amazing in his time that he played last week. So, Except for his punt returns, but his his yeah. his his offensive snaps were 
uh, quite beneficial. And getting him the ball seems to be the focus. And I largely agree. He's he's probably the best playmaker that Florida has and uh, can make a difference going forward. The defense was was a lot better than I think we expected. So hopefully the defense continues that trend. I'm going to say they hold McNeese to a low uh, score total. And I'm going to say Florida puts up like uh, 51 to like, I'd say like 14. That's what I'm going with. What do you got, Ian? I think the biggest emphasis that I'm looking for is how is the run game going to respond to a very bad performance and how is the offensive line going to support it? So I think very early on, we're going to see the run. We're going to see ETN and Montreal Johnson uh, get the ball a lot. And I think depending on that, we'll see how far the score goes. I am going to give Florida the win. Um, and I think the defense definitely has shown signs of improvement from last year. So I think they're going to do a good job keeping McNeese State at bay. Um, I'm just really interested to see how the run game is going to be. So I'm going to go Florida winning this one. I'll go 42 to 10. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one. Interesting intra conference game. Um, Washington state, Wisconsin, Washington state, what the them and Oregon state got left holding the bag and are now with the, <laughs> the pack two. Uh, but uh, Washington State going up against Wisconsin. Uh, the game is in um, – uh, God, I can't remember. The, what's the name of the city? Martin Sam? No, Ma- Washington State's uh, city. My friend is, went to school there. I can't remember the oh, name. Oh, yeah. It's Pullman, um, maybe? Or some, it's, it's a small town. It's not a very big town. Yeah, it's um, – oh, uh, don't tell me. Uh, it's all right. We'll move on. So yeah. – uh, so I, I feel because Luke Fickle is now at Wisconsin and they played well against Buffalo last week. Um, this is a better opponent than Buffalo. Uh, I don't I, I, I actually didn't see what Washington State did last week. So I'm going to say it's going to be a close game because Wisconsin doesn't have that much firepower. And I'm going to say it's probably going to be like a. 28-24 game, and I'm going to go with Washington State taking it in that close of a game. But what do you got, Ian? Um, this one, I'm uh, by the way, it's Pullman. Uh, I was right. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think with this one again, I kind of value defenses more, and I just think um, as good as a quarterback as Ward is for Washington State. I think the more, you know, yeah, Ward, game, I about Ward. Yeah. yeah. But I think with that run game, um, just, you know, punch through that line and just wear a team down style that Wisconsin has, I think that is really going to be the difference maker, especially with Washington State, who historically defensively hasn't been very impressive. So I think Wisconsin just wears them down and, finds a way to win. I'm going to go with a 24 to 17 win for the Badgers. Okay. Next game is a game that I might go to uh, UCLA, San Diego state in San Diego. Um, I do want to go because I want to check out the stadium because the Aztec stadium is what a lot of people um, in Tampa are comparing to what USF can do for their on-campus stadium. And it is a nice stadium. There's some things that obviously USF fans uh, 
are wanting them to do a little bit different, specifically with shade, which I hope they yeah. do try to implement at uh, for the Bulls Stadium. Um, but um, I'm intrigued about this game because San Diego State has been one of the better group of five teams over the last 10 years and always been solid. You know, they've, you know, every couple of years they'll win nine or 10 games. So they're uh, definitely someone not to be uh, written off easily, but I like this UCLA team a lot. I like the defense. I liked how they played last week. I like the new coordinator, Lynn. Um, Dante Moore is potentially a huge stud. I mean, he was like a top, top two recruit coming out last year. So he definitely has the potential, like the sky's the limit for him and he's very athletic and, you know, the passing game is a work in progress, but he, you know, it was seven of 12 or 13, which is not terrible. It was a lot, but it was, but yeah, he wasn't in the game that much. He was only in for like, I think like five or six possessions. So we'll see, but he had a lot of really good plays. So he definitely, has the potential two touchdowns. Um, I'm going to say UCLA wins this one. I'm going to say like, um, I'm going to say like 30 to like uh, 19. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I just think UCLA, they just have the better talent. I, I do think San Diego State is good. They didn't are not off to the great, greatest start, though. They didn't look that impressive in their win against Idaho State. Um, but I just think UCLA is just going to pull away just based on the talent level between them. So I'm going to go UCLA 38-14. Yeah, and uh, shout out to my chiropractor, Dr. Forrest, who's a former UCLA uh, running, back, uh, running back back in the 70s. He actually played in the Rose Bowl against uh, Ohio State in like 75, I believe. And they won. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and he said they had like a shot at uh, winning the national title. And because they were a West Coast team, they didn't get the love that they should have. Um, okay, moving on. Speaking of, he, his, this is this, his favorite team to hate, uh, USC. Uh, USC Stanford. Last year, this was kind of like the game that started to show that USC – was potentially a really good team because they really did well in that game on the road. I think this year the game being in L.A. at the Coliseum is going to be more of the same but probably even worse because I'm expecting USC to put up a lot of points. I'm going to say they probably put up like 50. I'm going to say like 54, and I'm going to say Stanford scores maybe 17. It's going to be a blowout. Stanford's not very good. Um, and USC's offense is dominant. So that's what I'm going with. What do you got? Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I just, Stanford's just not the team to pull this off yet. Um, I'm especially again, defensively, um, not the greatest history for, uh, Stanford, but I'm going to go USC same. I'll, I'll go with the runaway. I'll go 45, 20, uh, for the Trojans. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting game. Uh, Cal Auburn in Berkeley, which I'm like, wow, how did, how did they get Auburn to come all the way out to Cal? Uh, so this Cal team has been like kind of middle of the road, but they put up a fight against USC last year. 
And I think I think they can put a scare into Auburn, but I like Hugh Freeze a lot. And I think this game is a huge benefit to Auburn um, getting them into the flow of things of the season because this is not necessarily on the level of an SEC team, but it is on the level of like a lower level SEC team. So essentially this is as close to like a SEC opener you could get without having to have an SEC opener. And so I think Auburn puts up a lot of points. I think Auburn scores like, I don't know, I'm guessing like probably 35 and I'm guessing Cal probably scores a lot too. And I'm going to say like 24. That's what I'm going with. What do you got? Um, I'm in the same boat. I just think though, I'm going to go Cal in this one. Oh, wow. I think, All right. yeah. yeah. I, Cause I just think Cal, they definitely have the talent on the defensive side, as well as the offensive yeah. side to put a stop on the Auburn offense. I don't think Auburn's offense, again, a lot of young guys, both of these teams are, but they haven't had to go through endurance like this. So I yeah. think there's going to be a real test for Hugh freeze to see if they can pull it out. But I, I'm going to take Cal on this one. Um, I'm going to go with a 28 to 25, very close win for the golden bears. Okay. Last game, Arizona state, Oklahoma state. Uh, you know, I don't know what this Oklahoma state team is going to be like this year. They, um, they were not great last year after the year before going to the Big 12 championship and barely losing. And what will happen to them this year? I don't know. Arizona State, that's an intriguing team too. They're kind of teams in uh, a crossroads type position. You know, Arizona State has struggled the last several years. Can Arizona State finally uh, turn things around? Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins this one. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma State wins, like, I'm going to say 31 to, like, 24. What do you got? I think I'm I'm on the same one with this one. I think just Oklahoma State, though, has impressed me more than Arizona State has the last couple of years, especially the last more recently. Yeah. I I don't see Oklahoma State dropping this one. Arizona State still rebuilding. It's a big rebuild. Um, they are getting better, but again, really, I mean, they won twenty-four to twenty-one um, against uh, SLU last year um, or uh, last week. Um, so I'm going to go. Oklahoma State just runs away with this one. I'm going to go thirty-four-seven uh, for the Cowboys. Sweet. Okay. That is it. That is the show. So you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The The social for that is hater underscore radio for all three of those. On Facebook, it's hater radio CFB. For uh, YouTube, it's hater uh, radio at hater radio that's an easy one to remember then hater radio one at gmail.com uh you can check out all of our articles at haterradio.com every week we do the show every wednesday and every sunday at uh 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific check us out on all the formats and it'll be uploaded to youtube and all the podcast formats you can find us ian what are your socials real quick before we go 
Yes, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at uh, GGatorG. All right, that's it, y'all. Have a good week. Enjoy these games. Take care.